On an April morning, I no longer hear bird songs or the lowing of cattle on the moor. I hear the noise of sheep and the English language, dogs barking and frightening the deer. They have created a desert and have called it peace. From the intergalactic I know you don't have time to talk to your plants, so I'm going to talk to them for you. You can go on about your business, whether that's to class, or the office, or fixing dinner, or making love. Don't worry. They'll listen to me. Let's begin. for state power over bodies. State power is based on the promise of collective survival. Individual death is a private matter. The state, then, is a power over bodies. What is the state power over bodies? The power of the state is to sacrifice bodies in war, to use force and manipulation to determine the movement of bodies. The state favors a set of bodies over another set. These are citizens, these are criminals, that sort of thing. This is rich, this is poor. justification of this power is that the state preserves itself, and through these acts of self-preservation, the state preserves society. The state claims to be the organization, the organ of society, which one, defends against outside attack, two, defends against internal dissent, and three, defines what is human. These powers are the physical reinforcements of class and caste. The poor and recently conquered people go to war and die. They go to jail. They are the last to be picked for the teams that matter and first to be trotted out like show ponies. The in-group defines the structures and behavior called human. The similarities shared by the out-group are acknowledged. The differences are denounced. This state of affairs produced the cosmopolitan society which is accepting of everyone and nothing about anyone. No trait is acceptable and there exists products which you are expected to purchase and use to prevent traits from being known. The state preserves life in general. It has no debt to specific life. The longer the individual lives, the more resources it takes to preserve them. It follows, then, that those who live longer are expected to be more loyal to the regime, and the longer they live, the less individuality they are expected to have. One who lives forever would be expected to approach the true nature of the state itself. This future tense of the royal we is the foundation for an omnipotent and vacant universal being.
The state which attempts to prevent individual death is a totalitarian state, an entity of pure biopower. Individuals are autonomous organisms, which isn't to say humans aren't biologically social. Tribalets, large families and gangs, are the unit that is capable of governing individual death in a human, cultured way. This is why old people hate old folks' homes. The history and individuality of old people are preserved by these social groups, and these social groups are repressed by the techno-industrial state. The state prefers a factory model of everything, a clear sorting of the old dysfunctional bodies from the new pliable models. The old folks' home preserves the body and cuts the individual out from a living history. This prevents the transmission of traits onto new bodies. The state has no real biological justification. It's a model based on an exponential expansion of Dunbar's number. Triblets, families, and gangs might gather together in large groups or sort themselves by individual appearance and habits. If these sorting arrangements last long enough to breed a few times, they become ethnicities. The biological function of ethnicity is a reproduction of experiences. These ethnicities further banded together into the modern nation-state are the product of convenience and history. Singular ethnicities don't make it a self-governing entities. This is because ethnicity is a combination of visual cues and lived experience. There are too many traits, and the available outgroup is too large. The effort of preservation is too large. The ethno-state cannot preserve the body. It is too busy preserving traits. A body which lives longer increases its similarity to the state. This means that the body loses traits. It becomes nothing more than a body, with, with no meaning beyond its own physical preservation. This is possibly a weird French way of saying that people drift apart and old people are out of touch. What is the point of living a smaller amount of life over a longer amount of time? For example, when traveling near the speed of light, time is supposed to dilate, so that a year to the traveler is many years to someone not traveling. The traveler will be alive long after the stationary body is dead, but they have lived the same number of years in their own experience. And of course, these thought experiments never seem to mention that if the traveler dies alone in the vacuum of interstellar space, their experience is just another tree falling in the forest meaning nothing to no one. The cultural void of modern aging is exactly like this. There's only really one solution to this issue, and that is for the individual to assert our will to live forever, to become a traveler capable of going anywhere and coming home again in time for dinner, to be able to reach back into the depth of time and pull a human from a moment completely intact to live again and in new in an age of absolute and total power. What does society look like in a face of a power like that? It looks like a body. It looks like each individual having total biopower over every other individual. In the words of Boris Groys, by means of unifying living space and museum space, such biopower extends itself infinitely. It becomes the organized technology of eternal life. Michel Foucault says, by this I mean a number of phenomena that seem to me to be quite significant, namely, the set of mechanisms through which the basic biological features of the human species became the object of a political strategy, of a general strategy of power, or, in other words, how, starting from the 18th century, modern Western societies took on board the fundamental biological fact that human beings are a species. This is what I have called biopower. The book Lilith's Brood by Octavia Butler is a posadist love story between a series of human, alien, and hybrid characters. It is a great book. It carries an image of humanity as a stranger might see it. Why is our hair where it is? Why are we so violently afraid of everything? What is the plan here? 
Butler, Zoe, and Kali arrive in a giant ship that is also an individual who can carry on a conversation. Yo and Kali are intimately attracted to the notion of curing cancer. Lucky for the cancer cure fetishists, they arrive just in time to collect the survivors of a nuclear war that is almost done ending all life on Earth. The majority of the book consists of emotional growth and aliens manipulating the human species to allow themselves to be bred like rats in exchange for infinite free heroin and sex. And eternal life, and tentacle sex, it's the ultimate Posadist fantasy lacking only talking dolphins. It is also a masterpiece of political economy. The aliens have three sexes. The male and female sperm egg thing is still happening, but the way these two elements interact is managed, hosted, and determined intelligently by a third player. This third sex, the Uloi, whose pronoun is it, and who have leathery sex tentacles coming out of their armpits, is the pinnacle and completion of state power. I am not an expert in political ecology, nor do I have a degree in anything. However, I humbly, humbly propose that the governance of life reaches its climax in the perception and repair of bodies on a molecular scale, especially when this repair is part of a controlled evolutionary process. Beyond this, you'd have to do weird things to time and subatomic what's-it-called, and none of it would be recognizably living in the sense of cells and DNA and so forth. I haven't read Foucault in a while, but this has to be biopower. It's just gotta. If a cop has biopower because it holds a gun, the Octavia Butler's Uloi can put handcuffs on a cancer cell. All the humans agree that the Uloi is a monster, until they smell it, and immediately they fall hopelessly and hormonally in love with it. The state power mechanism is a shitty, non-living model of an Uloi. I will give examples. The Uloi seduce the last surviving human population because the Uloi are desperately horny. The state regurgitates half-remembered mandates passed down from previous generations of elite classes for the purpose of keeping a working, breeding, docile population of human bodies. The Uloi can't orgasm unless you orgasm, but first it has to cure your cancer and help you live forever. The state built the prison system as a storage unit for extra bodies. The state does not want to give you health care. When Bill Clinton says, I feel your pain, he is trying to get votes. When an Uloi says, I feel your pain, they are being literal, and you have tiny alien sex tentacles rummaging around your nervous system trying to make you feel better. Mr. Clinton does not have any alien sex tentacles, and the political structures over which he presided were a shambling mass of tubes and garbage, as is our society. It is a government of statistical methods, a society of free choices made in a controlled environment. The Uloi are all watched over by evolutionary consensus of love and grace. The Uloi are one sex out of three, and of these three bodies, any of them could be bipedal or a grub or a spaceship. Uankali communities govern through biological consensus. Biological consensus is the most blatantly horrifying shit I've ever considered. The idea of biological consensus makes me want to hide in the closet. It makes me feel racist. It makes me want to run around smashing strangers upside the head with a baseball bat. Biological consensus is the only decent way to run a community, and there's no way around it. One sniff, you're in love. That's it. You're done. In the old days, the idea of the body politic was that the king was the head, and the nobles were something important, and the clergy was the dick, and everybody else was a foot for stepping on. And you don't wear a shoe on your head, do you? This was a stupid thing, for obvious reasons, none more obvious than that society is not a body. You can't just declare yourself to be an organism the way you declare bankruptcy. So it didn't last long. But the idea of some biological affinity among citizens stuck around, and the phrenologists kept scheming up new ways to fuck everything up. There is no shortages of biological and genetic excuses for the worst abuses, 
race, gender, class, war, fashion, all of it. It's a garbled mix of half-baked biological rumors and rape culture origin stories. The worst of these brain farts are the methods by which the gnarled wizards of new technology and various boring office people divine the substance and character of masses of people. As if by putting a 150-pound Marxist art student and a 210-pound Nazi meth addict in the same room, you can somehow create two 180-pound paragons of the political center. This is how thousands of dead people become an acceptable margin of error. During industrialization, industry played a large role in the fortunes of people and the material conditions of society. The impact of the manufactured economy on human life was so large that it is easy to ignore the biological basis of 20th century society. From the standpoint of individual dignity, the last century was very much like a boot stamping on a human face forever. The lone body was simply meaningless against the needs of the masses. This era, however, is ending. Due to the absolute limits of ecology and thermodynamics, the manufactured economy is going to end. The less likely scenario is the upload hypothesis supported by sociopathic tech barons. In this projection, the industrial society and ecology will be replaced by a self-governing cybernetic system of entirely manufactured origin. Essentially, the state will learn to survive by replacing bodies with images of bodies, and by replacing ecology entirely with economy. This strongly implies the end of the human species and all life as we know it. The tech barons further propose that this cybernetic system expand itself into space and time, becoming more economically efficient as it grows into the ultimate being, the omnipotent god of which we are all already only a simulation. This is a garbage dream for garbage people, which all living bodies should reject. The scenario which is more likely is the return of ecology as the primary power on Earth. Ecology, as is meant here, does not require misery, high infant mortality, or resistance to vaccination. The eco-log implies systemic knowledge, as compared to the eco-gnome, which refers to the naming of things. With this, mind, with this in mind, let's combine Darwin and Marx. For a logical economy to exist, we must name and understand our relations to the living world. We need a Marxist analysis of things like the ant colony, the algae bloom, and the relationship between moon phases and fishing productivity, things like that. Material conditions are the basis for the larger reproduction of the living world, and it is the starting point for human understanding and control over our small role in the larger body. Officers keep telling us these people over here are a load of savages, but I don't know, they quite ordinary women and children up there to me. I didn't like it, we did. Once upon a time I was falling in love, now I'm only falling apart. Nothing I can do at all. Time I was falling in love. Once upon a time I was falling in love, now I'm only falling apart. Nothing I can do, a total eclipse of the heart.